This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. This is a story that took place around 150 years ago in Russia. In the days of the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Shmuel Schneerson, also known as the Rebbe Maharash. One day, there was a chassid of the Rebbe Maharash who was on a train on his way to Lubavitch. The train was leaving from Petersburg, and it was a 10-hour ride to Lubavitch. And he's getting comfortable in his seat, taking out a sefer, ready to start learning, when he notices that there's a Jew staring at him. Jew with a big beard, a kippah, tzitziot. So the chassid says to this Jew, Shalom Aleichem. And the mysterious Jew says to him, Aleichem Shalom. And he has a big smile on his face and he says to the chassid, Can I come sit next to you? Do you mind? The chassid moves over and he says, Sure, come. I don't mind at all. He says, Tell me, you look like a chassid. Would you happen to be a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe? He says, Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. And I'm on my way to the Rebbe right now. Ah, this mysterious Jew was so happy. He said, Please, let me sit down next to you. And let me tell you my story. I'll tell you why I'm on this train right now. I'm going to see your Rebbe. And I haven't seen him in many, many years. It's a crazy story what I'm about to tell you. He was a little nervous, took out a handkerchief and started wiping his forehead. He said, many years ago, I grew up near Petersburg in a religious home. And when I was a boy, I was sent to Cheder and I was a very good student. I was also very smart. And all of my teachers and my parents were sure that one day I would be a great rabbi. And I also thought that I would be one day. But when I was a teenager, around 15 or 16, one of my friends slipped me a book of philosophy. And I knew it was forbidden. I wasn't allowed to read it. But that's what made it so sweet. I started reading this book, and it blew my mind. I'd never read anything like it before. So I started reading more books like that. More philosophy. More books that I shouldn't have read. And the more I got into them, the less I wanted to learn in yeshiva. It got to the point where I was hiding my kippah, taking off my tzitziot, and going to non-kosher cafes to have conversations with people. Other thinkers like me. And after a couple of years of this, I didn't want to go back to yeshiva anymore. I was spending all my days in coffee houses discussing ideas. And then one day, I had this idea that maybe I could become a doctor. You have to be very smart to be a doctor. Doctors are respected and make a lot of money. And even though my parents were angry at me, I decided to run away from home, move to another city, change my name and become a person without religion at all. Just a human being. and No one would bother me. And I could live my life in peace. And when I got to Petersburg, I went to the university and I took the admission exams, and it scored very high. They told me that I could go to any program that I wanted, so I registered in medical school. And just like in the Cheder, I was a top student, getting the best grades in the top of my class. And when I graduated, I met a very beautiful and sweet non-Jewish woman. And I thought to myself, hey, I'm not a Jew anymore. I can marry her. There's no God. I don't believe in any of this nonsense anymore. And so I married her. She happened to come from a very wealthy family, and her father lent me a little bit of money, and I opened up my medical practice. And since I was very good at this, within a short amount of time, I had people lining up, paying me as much money as I wanted to help them, and I was able to help a lot of people. This went on for many years, and my wife and I had several children, and I never once thought about my past, 
I never thought about being a Jew and turning my back on Yiddishkeit. I never thought about the parents that are left behind, my brothers and sisters. Nothing. I had a very nice life and I was very happy. But then one night I had a dream. And in this dream, I see this man with a white beard, wearing a white robe, and he was shining. Behind him, everything was black, so he really stood out. And in my dream, I said to him, who are you? And the man says to me, you don't recognize me, my son? And then I realized, Gavant, it's my father. My father's coming to me in a dream. I said to him, Tati, where are you? What's going on? And he said, when you left us, your mother and I were so heartbroken. We spent years trying to find you and figure out where you went. But eventually I died of heartache. And now I'm in the world to come. And I was given permission, my son, to come to you in a dream and beg you to please do tshuva. Come back to your people. Come back to the God of your forefathers, Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Please, my son, come back. And then just like he appeared, he disappeared. And the doctor, he woke up in a sweat and he was very upset by the dream. But he decided not to tell anyone about it. No one knew that he was Jewish. So if he told them that he had a dream about coming back to being Jewish, they wouldn't understand it. And he decided, you know what? Dreams are nonsense. I'll just ignore it. A few days later, he had calmed down. And he figured he never listened to his father when he was alive. Why should he listen to his father now? And he decided to forget the whole thing. But if only it was so simple. Because a few days later, he had another dream. And again, his father appears in the dream. And this time his father was angry. And he said, don't do it for me. Do it for the truth. Do it because you're a Jew. And please, my son, don't waste your time. Do it as soon as possible. But when I woke up from the dream, I said, ah, Judaism, an ancient religion. Who believes in that stuff anymore? And God, who believes in God anyhow? I'm an atheist. I'm a doctor. I'm an intellectual. And I tried to put it out of my mind. But then there was the party. For several months, I didn't have any dreams. Everything was normal, but I was feeling some type of anxiety, and I was sad and depressed all the time, to the point that I even started drinking. But then my wife and I received an invitation to the Duke's birthday party. What an event! We were so excited. We would be with the most important people in Russia. And so we accepted the invitation, and I was very excited to get back into my life again. We had special clothes made for the party, and everything was exactly like we expected it to be. The party was in a beautiful hall. There was special music, food... Plenty of drinks, and the richest and most important people in all of Russia were there. Hundreds of them. And it was so much fun that I couldn't stop drinking. Drank and I drank, and the orchestra was playing. At some point, I jumped into the middle of the dance floor and started jumping around like crazy. And everyone was clapping and laughing around me. And then all of a sudden, there on the dance floor... My father appears in front of me. This time he was really angry. And he's just standing there, staring at me. And I was so upset. I stopped dancing. And I pointed my finger at him. I told my father, get out of here. Leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And I don't want you stopping me. Everybody was looking at me like I'm crazy. Because of course they didn't see anyone. And my father wasn't leaving. So I took out my gun, aimed it at my father and pulled the trigger. Once the gun went off, everyone went crazy. People are screaming, fainting. Running for the door, people are running over each other. A few people came over to me and they grabbed the gun, threw me on the floor, 
Thank God I didn't shoot anyone by mistake. Nobody could understand how the honorable doctor, this great intellectual and successful person, had gone totally insane. And they were right. I had lost it. I didn't know what to do. I ran into one of the empty rooms and just started crying. I didn't know what to do. I couldn't get my father out of my head. But who could I tell this to? No one even knew that I was Jewish. And then I remembered. Once I had heard from a patient about the Lubavitcher Rebbe and how he was a miracle worker and how he had great powers to heal. And so I decided, even though I had nothing to do with Judaism at the time, that the Rebbe for sure could help me. And so the next night, I took a lot of money with me and I wrote a letter to the Rebbe explaining my situation. I told my wife that I had to take care of some business, pack some clothes, and went to the train station. And it took a while till I was in Lubavitch. But once I arrived, I arranged for the meeting with the Rebbe, put on my best clothes, and the next evening, I entered the Rebbe's private office, the huge stack of money, and my letter. I was sure that the Rebbe would be able to heal me. But as soon as I closed the door behind me and saw the Rebbe standing in front of me, I froze. I couldn't move. I'd never experienced anything like that, and I couldn't explain it. But when I was looking at the Rebbe, it was as if he had known everything that I'd ever done in my life and everything that I ever would do. He could see right through me. But then I realized that the Rebbe wasn't looking at me. I was looking at the Rebbe, but the Rebbe wasn't looking at me. He went over to his window and opened it up, as if to let in some fresh air. And once the window was open, he yelled, What is a man who tried to kill his own father doing in my house? <gasps> Suddenly, the truth hit me. I realized it. He was right. I did try to kill my father. How could the Rebbe have known that? How could the Rebbe have known anything about me? But here, just like I thought he could see through me, he did, he saw everything. I told the Rebbe, not only did I try to kill my father, who wasn't even there, I turned my back on God. I turned my back on the religion of my people. Rebbe, please, you've got to help me. I don't know what to do. And I started crying, and I felt like my soul was going to leave my body. I realized it at that moment. My whole life had been a huge mistake, and I was full of regret. I begged the Rebbe to fix me, help me. So the Rebbe calmly told me, I'm going to have to leave my wife and my family, that I should go back and tell her the truth, that I'm a Jew, and that I have to go back to my people. I should go back home, give them my house, half of my belongings, and half of my money, and then I should move to a distant town where nobody had ever seen or heard of me before, and spend my time learning Torah and davening, until one day, a chassid of the Lubavitcher Rebbe shows up in the Beit Midrash where I am. And so for ten years, I sat in that Beit Midrash, learning, davening, praying that Hashem should send me the sign that my tshuva has been accepted. And just today, one of your fellow chassidim showed up in the Beit Midrash. And so I traveled to Petersburg to get on this train and go to the Lubavitcher Rebbe to tell him that I had received the sign. Let me tell you, my friend, you're very lucky to be a Lubavitcher chassid because your Rebbe is such a holy and special man. It's thanks to him that I merited to do tshuva and come back to the path of Torah and mitzvot of my fathers and mothers. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening, my sweetest friends, as always. I want to thank one of the new supporters of the podcast, the Schneiderman family of Crown Heights. Thank you so much for your contribution. And even more than the actual money itself, it means so much to me to hear from my listeners. I want to also thank the Kunin family of Malibu. I had the schut to meet their father, Rabbi Levi, this week, who told me a beautiful story that he was here in Jerusalem to record something with a famous actor. And when he called his daughter Rachel and said that he's here to meet this actor, his daughter said, wait a minute, did you meet Barack Holman? And so I want to thank the Kunin family, their children, Shruli, Rachel, Chana Shena, and Chaya Mushka. Thank you for listening. Thank you to my children for listening. And the Anna and Levi Yitzchak and all of my children. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, you can go to my website, HasidicStory.com. Any support is greatly appreciated. You know, I love telling these stories. And even though I do other things during the week, this is always one of my favorite parts of the week. Of course, Shabbos is the greatest part of the week, but this is kind of like bringing Shabbos into the week. So thank you for listening with me, my friends. And thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. And thank you for being part of this special Hasidic community that we're creating together as story listeners and storytellers and story livers. That sounds a bit strange, kind of like chop liver. But people who live the stories, Bezat Hashem. I love you all, my sweetest friends. Thank you for listening. And I look forward to our next story together.